I'm Kat. I'm Aileen. And I'm Carly. <laughs> this is murder. Mystery. <laughs> and mac and cheese. I said that's so weird. So we went to Petco today because I was trying to find, because training with her is difficult with the extendo leash because I don't want to like let her miss out on sniffing stuff, but I also want to teach her to like keep checking in with me and stuff. So I was trying to find like a like a cute little matching like nylon collar leash set, but they're too expensive. So I'm probably just going to go through Amazon, but no, don't leave. Okay. She was like, "Eh, I'm done. So there's a bag on my coffee table right now and she's standing directly behind it and all I can see are her ears. <laughs> hmm. <clears throat> can I help you? Well, anyway, we went to Petco today because again, I was looking for the, like the leash and stuff. I ended up getting her a little Penn State like attachable bandana that goes oh. onto her collar. I bought her an Ohio State one from Amazon because we need to balance that out. Mm. But um, did I tell you about like the last time I was there? And with her and the trainer that was working at the counter. Yes. Yeah. So he was there again and she's actually starting to like know him a little bit. Like she recognized him and this time she accepted the cookie from him and just like, ate it right there. And I was like, oh, but I was very proud because he had her sit first and she knew the command and she just did it. And he was like, oh, good girl. I'm like, yeah. What a good little bean. Now she's chewing on her ball like an aggressive dork yeah i can finally hear you guys now <laughs> it was like please test your microphone do 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 i'm Raina. like really i am dressed very inappropriately for the weather because i was packing and sweating so <laughs> valid my mom oh, yeah. and my sister are coming tomorrow to like help me do the last of it so we'll see how that goes i already know my mom is gonna be really annoying when are you um, officially moving thursday oh damn yeah i gotta rent i gotta order a u-haul too ah yes and i have to read my lease and sign it it's fine right it's totally okay i'm ignoring it you got this i have all day tomorrow right good so I mean, I wish I had had all day today and all day yesterday, too. But, of course, I had right. to do my freaking full two weeks at work. But today is my last day. So, peace out, homeschooling. Wow. That went freaking fast. I know. But I finally told my landlord, too, that I'm leaving. And he was totally fine about it. So, I was nervous he was going to be like, you stupid idiot. Why did you give me two days notice? But he was just like, okay. He like posted the listing today and he was like, I already have a bunch of inquiries on it. So there you go. And it's like, it's not like he wouldn't have been able to understand. Like I just got a job. They need me to start as soon as possible. So it's like kind of a last minute deal. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. You know, despite all the chaos, I have mac and cheese. Nice nice i'm still being really picky i've only had french fries and like carbs and stuff today plus I, a sprite uh, but what do you have today miss aileen have you guys ever do you guys shop at big y at all well i did before i moved Sometimes. 
out of I Big Y range. Love Big Y, and they have a lot of good like pre pre prepared food that you can just like pick up. Yeah. So this is their uh, hot signature mac and cheese. Gotcha. That, like I just mm. got from their like pre made food section. Right. So I've had it before. It's super good. It's like uh very like Velveeta y. Yeah. Type like cheesy. But this is the first time I on this podcast that I haven't had like a boxster like microwaveable like frozen mac and cheese. Yeah, this is the first one that's Come like on. a this is the first one that's like a uh, fresh. Gotcha. Okay. Nice. So it's hot as in you like just picked it up and it's still hot or did you have to heat it up? Um, I picked it up on my way home. So it was maybe like an hour ago. Gotcha. Um, I didn't reheat it though, but it's still like warm. It's not like frigid. Like, you know how like, right. If you like get mac and cheese or something cheesy and like if you let it sit too long, the cheese all kind of like congeals and it's like hard. Mm -hmm. It's not it hasn't gotten to that point yet. The cheese is still like creamy, if that makes sense. Yum. Oh, God. Oh, my God. Every time I move, I like feel like a 85 year old woman. Same. I've been starting to work out again and I can't walk normally. Because I've been doing the Chloe <laughs> Ting thing. I skipped yesterday because obviously I wasn't feeling great. But I'm going to do some tonight again. And hopefully my legs will stop being stiff. Awesome. Yeah, good for you. I need It's to hard to get back some- into it if you're like, if you took a really long time off. Oh, yeah. <laughs> She's like, mother, please. She's no, like, I didn't, I, I, don't, I didn't sign a waiver for this. <laughs> A release or whatever. Yeah. I don't have any mac and cheese today, which I'm sad about. I thought I was going to say something, then I don't, I can't remember what I was going to say. It's fine. Just, I'm dead inside. Well, what did the macaroni say when he was offered cocaine? I don't know what. No thanks. I'll stick to pot. (laughs) (laughs) That was a pretty good one. I like that one. That was pretty good. That was pretty good. I like that one. Reyna, how do you feel about this? Okay. Hot take. Yeah. I don't even know what the topic is for this week. Yeah, I'm curious. Enlighten me. So, apologies if I'm a little low energy today because I got up today at like five. Ew. Because I didn't do anything last night in terms yeah. of like packing or cleaning or organizing or anything. For yeah. our listeners, I got a new job and I'm moving. So there's a lot going on in my life right now, our 13 listeners, but you know, I like to keep them in the loop. And moving is a pain in the ass. So like, oh yeah, so hard. So I got up really early today in hopes that I would like get out of bed and like get myself going so I could get some stuff done this morning. Mm -hmm. Um, And I did a little bit, but other than that, I was just too tired and I got back in bed. So fair. Yeah, it's fine. But anyway, today. We're going to talk about the mysterious disappearance of the Sonner children. Uh, yeah. Hmm. Fuck yeah. So I need to pull up my notes, though. If I, was I mean, I know freaking, I know somewhat. Yeah. Uh, I know somewhat about this case. So I would just say, like, trigger warning. It does have to do with, like, children. And, like, it's kind of, I don't know. 
it's weird and mysterious and it's 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 very weird it's bizarre and it's tough but it does have to do with kids so if that's not something that you vibe with it's just a warning now but and this is also generally speaking when we're talking about different topics too it's kind of like what we found online and just like different resources but also kind of our thoughts so you know, if we miss something or if we got something wrong, like tell us and we can update in the next week's episode or whatever. So I just wanted to put that out there anyway. Continue. Sorry. That's okay. <laughs> um, okay. So we're going to start talking about just kind of the family in general. And we're going to start with the father whose name is George Sauter. Um, George was born Giorgio Sodu maybe questionable pronunciation there, um, in Sardinia, which is an Italian island in the Mediterranean Sea. And he was born in 1895 there in Italy, but immigrated to the United States in 1908. Excuse me. Nice. Obviously, he started going by George um, when he got to the United States because that's how America works. They don't like to pronounce foreign names. They don't like foreign names, so they're like, be more English. Fancy, uh, fancy. That is not what I meant to say. That is not what I meant to say at all. I meant to say fun fact and somehow fancy came out of my mouth. Fun fact is that my grandfather, my dad's dad came here from Poland, like immigrated to the United States directly from and uh, he changed the spelling of our last name to make it seem more American. Mm -hmm. So the original spelling of it was S-Z-Y-L-U-K. And it was pronounced kind of the same, but he changed it to S-H-E-L-U-C-K because he thought that it looked more American. Hmm. And then there's my great-grandfather, great-great-grandfather, who was just like, fuck all of you. I'm keeping it. Bagaror. 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 (laughs) My my maiden name was, uh, is a combination of uh, Dutch and German. And my great-great-grandfather came over in like 1901 and was like, nah, it's staying. I can't pronounce it? Too bad. (laughs) I remember like the first time I met your parents, I was like, I don't know how to pronounce your last name. And you were like, it's Bagaror, like a bag of lions. And I was like, oh, okay. That's easy enough. Anyway, I digress. (laughs) Yes, we do. Back to the the Sodders. So George actually had an older brother who immigrated to the United States with him. But basically, as soon as they got through Ellis Island, his brother was just like, nah, fam, and went back to Italy. Direct quote, also, nah, fam, Mm. is exactly what he said in 1908. (laughs) Love love that. Love that. But he did basically immediately as soon as they got to the U.S. went right went right back to Italy. So it left George here by himself with none of his family. But he was able to find work on the Pennsylvania rail- railroads. Why is railroad such a hard word to say? I'm going to try this railroad. Again. I don't know. He was able to find work on the Pennsylvania railroads, and a few years later, he moved to West Virginia, where he worked as a truck driver before he launched his own construction company. And he was very ambitious. So he was always, you know, working hard, trying to move up and all that stuff. One day he walked into a local store that was called the Music Box. And he met Jenny Cipriani, who was the owner's daughter, the owner of the store's daughter. And she had also immigrated to the U.S. also from Italy when she was three. So... 
as you can probably guess, George and Jenny eventually got married um, and they had 10 children together over a 20 year period between 1923 and 1943. It's a lot of kids. Yeah. Um, But at least they're kind of spaced out. But that's still like a kid every two years. It's just it's 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 really popping them out. But I guess it was more popular back then to have more kids anyway. But yeah. So the family then settled in Fayetteville, West Virginia, which was known for having a small, but very active community of Italians. So obviously their whole family was super Italian because since George and Jenny had both originally been born in Italy. So they were kind of drawn to that area. And the Sodders quickly turned into one of the the most respected families in Fayetteville. Um, They had this big farm and animals like cows and chickens and all this kind of stuff. Um, But George was known for having very strong opinions about almost everything. And he, despite that being pretty outspoken about his opinions, he never talked about his youth like ever um, or what made him decide to leave Italy. So nobody really knows anything about what his life was before he came to the United States because he literally like refused to talk about it in So something weird that happened to the family is that in October of 1945, a visiting life insurance salesman warned, recap, he never talked about what he, when he left Italy or why he left Italy. So like I said, he was very outspoken about things. And one of the things he was very outspoken about was how um, he did not support Mussolini in Italy. Which obviously, you know, he's a dictator. But my question is, kind of on that topic, why were there so many dictators all at once in Europe? So many dictators. Like why? Hitler, Mussolini, Stalin. Stalin. Like, I don't know. Maybe it was Damn. just like a trend. One of them was like, I'm gonna be a dictator. The other one was like, hmm, I'm gonna be a dictator. And then the other <laughs> one was like, hmm, I'm gonna well, be a dictator. Well, if you can be a dictator, I want to be, wanna a, be dictator. a dictator. <laughs> Just so like, basically George was very outspokenly like against Mussolini and thought basically that he was an idiot, which kind of caused a stir among the Italian community that they lived with. Right. Um, but in October of 1945, a visiting life insurance salesman uh, came to their house and uh, warned George that his house would go up in smoke and your children will be destroyed. And he attributed oh. this to the quote, the dirty remarks you have been making about Mussolini, end quote. Sir, I have several concerns about this. Yes, I know. <laughs> Very oddly specific. Mm-hmm. And then there was another visitor to the house who was there under the pretenses of seeking work. Um, but he took the time that he was there went around the back of their house and warned George that a pair of fuse boxes back there would cause a fire someday. And George was originally confused, originally George was originally confused by that observation because he had just had the house rewired Mm -hmm. um, because they had just installed an electric stove and the electric company had like, looked over all their wiring and they said it was safe so he was like super very weird for you to say that the way my house is wired is going to cause a fire when the electric company said it was fine right so uh really quick i'm just going to go over the names of their 10 kids the 
I'm just going to kind of generally go through the list of the Sauter children, all 10 of them. So they actually had five sons and five daughters, which is very aesthetically pleasing. So they had John, Joe, George Jr., Maurice, and Lewis are their sons. Marion, Martha, Jenny, Betty, and Sylvia are their daughters. So of course they had two kids that were the same names as the parents to just make it more confusing. Um, right. So we're going to go into the events of what happened the evening of Christmas Eve in 1945. And at this point, from this point forward, you're not going to hear me talk about Joe, their son at all, because he was away at this point serving in World War II. So he was nowhere near like the family or the home or anything like that. So right now in the house are the two parents, George and Jenny, and then nine of their 10 kids. So Marion, who was the oldest daughter, had been working at a dime store and brought home new toys for her younger sisters, who were Martha, who was 12 at the time, Jenny, who was eight, and Betty, who was five. And she bought them new toys at the store and brought them home because, you know, it was Christmas Eve and she wanted to surprise them. So the kids were so excited to play with the new toys that they asked their mother if they could stay up past their normal bedtime, which I guess was around 10 p.m., uh, to play with them. And Jenny told the kids that they could stay up past 10 p.m. as long as their sons, Maurice, who was 14 at the time, and Lewis, who was nine, remembered to bring in the cows and feed the chickens before going to bed. More so at, at this point, around 10 p.m., George, the father, and the two oldest boys, John, who was 23, and George Jr., who was 16, were already in bed asleep because they had been working on the farm all day. So Jenny basically tells the kids, all right, as long as you do these chores, you can stay up and play. Um, and then she took their youngest child, Sylvia, who was two at the time, um, and they both went upstairs and went to bed. So Jenny says that the telephone rang around 1230 a.m., which woke her up, and she went downstairs to answer it, which as a side note, I would literally never answer the phone if it rang at 1230 a.m., like saying we're the generation we're the generation that doesn't ever answer our phones it just you let that shit go to voicemail or wait for a text like that's also true don't talk i am a firm believer in the fact that if you call me and don't leave a voicemail then you're sus you didn't need to call me exactly like anybody who doesn't leave a voicemail didn't actually need to reach me that badly oh do you guys do you guys want to get triggered really quickly yes please we're trying to reach you about your car's extended warranty. Uh, oh, God. Oh. <laughs> this is an urgent message for the vehicle That's why owner. I don't pick up my phone. <laughs> Same. Every unless day. Unless you are programmed in my phone and I have given you a ringtone that I know is yours, don't call me. It's Correct. not worth it because I won't Correct. answer. Even if it's like my bank or something and I don't recognize the number, I don't answer the phone because... I actually do I actually do answer my phone a lot of the time because when we were shut down for COVID and working from home like my work phone was my cell phone so there's some random people out there that are work related that have my cell phone number so I just got in the habit of answering it which like I don't really answer it that much anymore oh the other thing is uh we don't ever answer the door because the 70s and the 80s taught us that sometimes a lot of the time it's a serial killer so why bother because you 
Isn't it always a serial killer? Yes. Just kidding. Always a serial killer. Not really, but... Uh, it's been proven, about it's not been answering proven, the door it's been proven too many times to not be like bullied. sus about it yeah so listen over the summer um i was working from home and i was literally sitting the table that i'm sitting at right now was the table that i used for my desk mm-hmm. and the, my door is right here yeah. so like this is the front door to my apartment and every so often like once a week somebody would just like randomly knock on my door in the middle of the day and I never answered it because like that's creepy and I live alone so I never answered it and I was like if somebody really needs to like reach me they'll keep knocking and it was always like one time knocking and then that was it but then there was one day that I never used to lock the screen door but there was one day that someone knocked on my front door and then I saw like my doorknob move. Like somebody was trying to open it. Ew. And Ew. I was like, Ew. um, I'm going to shit my pants. And so from that point forward, I started locking my screen door. Oh God. I yeah. Hate, Horrifying. And then there was another no. time. So the mailman that delivers to my apartment usually does like a cute little knock. Like he'll do like a. Yeah. Um, and not just like a normal knock. So there was one day that I was home for whatever reason. I think it might've been a, a Saturday and I was expecting a package to come that day. And so I heard the knock and I was like, as probably the mailman. And normally he just knocks once and then I like kind of let it go. And then I go check and then he knocked again with like the same knock. I was like, oh, that's weird. Maybe it's something that needs to be like signed for or whatever. Yeah. I opened the door and it's this random guy Ew. Like, he said something like, Does Marco still live here? And I was like, No. Do I look like Marcos? And he was like, (laughs) Oh, okay, sorry. And I was like, That's okay. Get off my porch. It was very weird. And like, that was it. And he like walked away and whatever. But I was like, I literally remember calling my mom and I was like, Listen, I've seen too many crime shows. Like, remember that if I turn up murdered, that I told you this story. <laughs> and she was like, thanks, Aileen. That's really nice of you to remind me to get murdered. But yeah, no, I never answered my door. But that is what I'm looking. I'm moving from a first floor apartment to a second floor apartment. And I'm really excited for that, that people can't just like walk up and knock on my door. Oh, thank God. Yeah. Also, my door right now, I just live in, like, a house that was converted into apartments, and Mm. and my door is just, like, on a main street, but I'm moving to a complex, so I'm I'm ready to feel a little bit more uh, secure. secure. Yeah, that's fair. All right, back to Christmas Eve, 1945. So, yes, Santa's coming. Of all the toys that you could be playing with right now, you choose that one? crackhead thank you so the telephone rang around 12 30 a.m and it woke up jenny and she went downstairs to answer the phone and she said there was a woman on the other end of the line um who she didn't recognize the sound of her voice but this woman asked to speak to somebody whose name jenny also didn't know and she said she could hear in the background um, laughter and like clinking glasses, like somebody was at like a party or something. And Jenny was just like, you know, there's nobody by that name here. And she told the woman she had the wrong number and she hung up um, and then went back to bed. 
but before she went back upstairs, she noticed that in the living room where the kids had been playing, the lights were still on and the curtains were still open, which was odd because normally the kids would have turned off the lights and closed the curtains before they went up to bed. And Mm -hmm. Jenny saw that Marion was asleep on the couch and assumed the other children had gone upstairs to the attic where they slept. So Jenny turned off the lights, closed the curtains, and went back to bed. Then at 1 a.m., so only a half an hour later, Jenny was awakened again by the sound of a loud bang of what sounded like an object hitting the roof of their house and then starting to roll. That's suspicious. Right? And then (laughs) after the rolling sound stopped, she didn't hear anything else. So she went back to sleep, which like I could never, I'd be peeing my pants. Yeah, I'd be like, who the fuck, whom the fuck is on my roof? Or what did right? they Right, I would literally be like, what the fuck is going on? So then another half hour later, so this is around 1.30, she woke up and smelled smoke. And so she got up and saw that the room that was George's office was on fire around awesome. the telephone line and the fuse box. She then obviously woke up George, who woke up his older sons. And was like, bitch, the house is on fire. Yeah, it's on fire. So both parents, Jenny and George, and four of the nine kids, Marion, Sylvia, John, and George Jr., were able to get out of the house. But they couldn't go upstairs to the attic to wake the other kids because the stairway that led up to the attic was already, like, engulfed in flames. So they continuously yelled for the kids. Um, but they heard no response from upstairs and George also climbed an outside wall and broke open an attic window, which cut his arm and they were going to try to use a ladder to rescue the kids because they normally kept a ladder right outside the house. Mm -hmm. Um, but the ladder that they usually kept outside was not in its usual spot. And Mm -hmm. beyond that, they couldn't find it anywhere. That's suspicious. That's weird. Very suspicious. And on top of that, basically everything was going wrong for this poor family right now. Um, But they had a million issues getting in contact with the fire department. The Sodder's phone, of course, didn't work. So Marion ran to a neighbor's house and called from the neighbor's phone, but they were unable to reach the operator. And Why a is driver going this fucking wrong. I know it's this just poor kind of family. Like, I know it's horrible, but there was also a driver on a nearby road that saw the flames and called the fire department from a tavern that was close by. But that person also could not reach the operator, so the fire department was basically understaffed, and it was also Christmas Eve, like early Christmas morning. So I mean, why didn't they just take out their cell phones? Yeah. Yeah, seriously. What cell phones? What idiots? Oh my god. (laughs) The fuck? Bullshit. Some bullshit. Uh, But somebody eventually, either the neighbor or the motorist, they're not sure who it was, but somebody was eventually able to reach the fire department by calling from another phone in the center of town. So the fire department got called. Um eventually. Eventually. But the fire department didn't respond for hours because they 
you know, and the fire chief stated that they had low manpower because literally how they communicated at this point was literally just each individual firefighter calling each other. Um, it was Christmas Eve and they had a lot of trouble finding somebody who could actually drive the fire truck. So they couldn't go anywhere because they didn't have a person that could drive the truck. Um, and another thing that went wrong for this poor family is that there was a water barrel near the house that could have been used to put out the fire, but the water barrel was completely frozen. convenient. Neither of George's business trucks that they had on the property would start, even though they worked fine what? the day before. This poor fucking family. Mm-hmm. What the f- what? Why? I so d- all of this is going on, and they literally just had to watch their house just completely burn down over the next 45 minutes. Um, and at this point, they assumed that the five other children that were unaccounted for had died in the fire um, because the house literally just burned to ash because the firefighters didn't show up for hours. Um, and like I said, by the time the firefighters got there, the home was just a pile of ash. Well done, so, guys. Yes. Wow. So they start going through the ashes after the fire department gets there. But the fire chief told the family they didn't find any bones anywhere in the ash. Hmm. Which is odd because you would if think five children had sadly died in the fire, you probably should have found bones. Um, but it was noted later by fire professionals that the search of the ash was cursory at best. So they kind of did a very like surface level search. Listen, all I have to say is I'm glad that detective and police work has gotten so much better since then because mm-hmm. holy shit, nothing would mm-hmm. get done. Yes, correct. Everything was um, cursory. Also, if they like, I mean, obviously the house burned to complete ash, but it would take immense amounts of heat to even like decimate a body that much too. We'll get the, we'll, we will get there. Don't worry. Fuck. Yeah. So they did their cursory search of the ash and didn't find any bones. So they said, but the fire chief then told the family to leave the site undisturbed so that they could conduct a more thorough investigation. But the family kind of got fed up with it. So four days later, they bulldozed five feet of dirt over the site of the home um, to convert it to a memorial garden dedicated to the kids, which, okay, I understand I you want you want to remember your children, but it's, it was four days. It's still a scene. It's still. Yeah. And I, I mean, obviously now is a different time. But and everybody that, grieves like would... differently, but you, right. you'd, you'd think that they would rather have the, the site thoroughly investigated yeah. um, mm-hmm. rather than just immediately turning it into a garden. I don't know. The whole four days thing is what got me. I was like, it's not like it was months. That's suspicious. And they were like, you know what? We'll just turn it into a garden. It was only four days. See, I, I, by any means, I'm not saying like that the parents had anything to do with it because there's just too much unknown. But mm-hmm. also, that's very reminiscent of like Rose and what's his name? Something West, the Wests in England and their house. They killed a bunch of people and buried them under their house. 
Ew. Oh my. Uh, and also, <laughs> fucking John Wayne Gacy mm. did stuff like that. Like he would bury him under places that wouldn't be searched. And again, mm-hmm. I'm not saying that like the parents had anything to do with it, but it's just very reminiscent of like trying to hide something. I don't know. That's just where my thinking goes automatically because I'm fucked up. It's fine. <laughs> um, so four, this is four days after the fire that they put this dirt over all the ash. And then the next day, the local coroner held an inquest that found that the fire was an accident that was caused by faulty wiring. Um, of course. But a fun fact. I, guess I love fun really facts. Fun. Interesting fact. I love fun facts. One of the people that was on the jury of this inquest was the man who had threatened George about the house burning down and the oh, children good. being destroyed. Super duper. That's not a conflict of interest at all. That's interesting, right? <laughs> um, so after this, death certificates were issued for the five kids um, on December 30th. And... So everybody at that point just assumed that they were dead and they held a funeral for the kids. But George and Jenny, George, Jenny, George and Jenny did not attend the funeral because they were too busy grieving. Um, But the surviving kids did attend the funeral. So that's kind of the, I guess, official account of what happened that night. But there are a lot of questions that even over time, right. the family kind of started to, to question the official that's account of what happened. Fair. So they said that the fire was caused by faulty wiring, right? That's what they say. But the family noticed that their Christmas tree stayed lit the entire time. Hmm. So they were like, if there was something wrong with the wiring, why was our Christmas tree still lit? Hmm. And then they later found the ladder that I mentioned. They found that ladder 75 feet away from its normal spot at the bottom of an embankment. That's Mm -hmm. someone trying to hide some shit. Like where, how did it get there? Who put it there? Literally, that's all you could say. Who fucking put that there? Because right. there's no other way that a ladder would get that far. And no. they found out that the phone line into the house had been cut. There it is. But it is. they apparently at some point found uh, the man who cut the power line. And he can, conf- or sorry, phone line. Uh, yeah. And he cut, he uh, confessed to doing that. But he said that he thought that it was a power line that he was cutting for some reason. I I forget. I forget what they said that he was doing, but I guess that him cutting a power line to do what he was doing was not an abnormal thing. Um, But he said that he had nothing to do with the fire and he just cut the phone line by accident. Which like he's there trying to cut anything. Class like. Mm. suspicious but there's no official record anywhere that actually identifies who this man was so Mm. they apparently identified the person who cut the phone line but there's no record of who that person was of course um Uh, the police what who said that not me oh oh 
But um, <laughs> so then the family started being like, I mean, at this point, since the house was like just ash, right? The mm-hmm. fire people, fire department was saying that, you know, the five children all died and their bodies were just burned to ash. But there were still recognizable appliances found in the ash and fragments of the roof that hadn't been completely burned. And like I said, the fire at the house only burned for 45 minutes. Um, And Jenny started burning small piles of animal bones to test what would happen to them in a fire. But none of them in any of the tests that she did completely burned. Then, you know, Jenny's doing her own investigation was told by an employee of a local crematorium that human bones remain even after bodies are burned at 2000 degrees Fahrenheit for two hours, which is a lot longer than the house fire burned and a lot hotter than the house fire burned. So based on that logic, go if mama had all died in the fire. They should have still found had bodies there. That makes sense. Go mama. Love that. She was yes. like, fuck that. I'm going to figure this shit out myself because someone's lying to me. Someone knows something and fuck you. I That's love- one thing about this family that I completely admire. They just never let it go. They were like, we are going to figure out what happened because they didn't believe what everybody was saying, which is like so much respect for them just kind of as a unit. Um, Then as time went on, they discovered more evidence that the fire may not have been an electrical issue because apparently that night there was a bus driver that saw people throwing, quote, balls of fire at the house that night. What? A and a few months after the fire, Sylvia, one of the daughters, found a small, hard, dark green rubber ball-like object in the brush near the site where the house was. Perhaps. And George said that it looked like a pineapple bomb, hand grenade, or some other device. I was gonna say, perhaps is it a grenade? <laughs> Where that's the what they were, that's what they were kind, of, kind of thinking at that point and they're saying that you know this bus driver that saw people throwing something it could have that could have attributed or accounted for the sound that jenny heard on the roof and the rolling if some, if people were actually throwing like if it was a grenade that wouldn't the there have been some sort of explosion at all like when they have heard anything go off right you'd think but i mean if they were all asleep Maybe they didn't hear anything. I don't I don't know. That's what I thought as well was I was like, if it was some kind of bomb, you'd think it would have gone off but or made some sort of noise. But I also don't know. I don't know how sophisticated these, you know, bombs or grenades were. But there were also some people that claimed to have seen the children looking out of a passing car during the fire. Um and someone said, there was even a woman that said that she served them breakfast the next morning at a rest stop. Hmm. So there's just That's... kind of a lot of confusion. It's like, to the family, the whole electrical issue thing doesn't make sense. Right. There are no yeah. bones in the ash, which there should have been, knowing the science of how hot and how long the fire burned. It's just, it's not really all adding up. And honestly, like, if you're one of those people that's, like, giving false tips, like, fuck you. 
like yeah, that's the worst kind of person yeah really. they just want their like five minutes of fame of like oh yeah i saw them maybe they Stupid did really shit. see them but like generally speaking i don't fucking care for those people because you're just holding up the investigation and you you know that detectives are gonna have to look into it because you're like hey and that's just wasting precious time trying to find these children so it's like fuck right. off you're a piece of trash anyway continue so the Sodders decided to hire a private investigator uh, named C.C. Tinsley to look into the case. And he's actually the one who figured out about the insurance salesman that was on the jury of the inquest. So he has to be pretty smart then. Bless you. That was a cough, actually, but thank you. Bless you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, the, the private investigator... Uh, is the one that figured out about the insurance salesman on the jury but he also apparently figured out um, or had heard through the grapevine through his investigation that the fire chief had found a heart packed it into a metal box and secretly buried it Um, I guess what I heard what I read about how they figured this out was that the fire chief had confessed it to like a priest or something and the priest said something about it huh. to the investigator. Interesting. So they were able to find the place where he buried the heart. And they dug it up and they found it and they brought it in for testing. But here's the kicker. It was not a heart. It was a fresh beef liver that had never been exposed to fire. Mm, Someone was just like, haha. <laughs> So apparently the story is the fire chief was hoping that if he did this and said he buried a heart, that it would make the Sodder family accept that their kids had died in the fire and give them closure. That's shitty. Like, okay, that's not, that's not your place whatsoever. Also, how did you ever think that a beef liver would get mistaken for a human heart? Like to the point where like people would just be like oh yeah that's a heart without even like testing it i don't know he clearly didn't think that one through he clearly thought he was smarter than everyone else and that everyone else was just a fucking moron so like fuck that guy so then in august 1949 the family convinced a pathologist from washington dc to dig through the dirt at the site then at this point they found some bone fragments that were determined to be human vertebrae And the bones were sent for examination and determined to be lumbar vertebrae that were all from the same person. Oh. So the specialist that was, you know, testing the bones determined that the individual whose bones these were was probably around 16 or 17, um, but at the maximum was age 22 um, because there was something scientifically that was unfused. Mm. I don't know sciencey talk, but in the bone fragments, whatever this part of the bone was, was unfused and it fuses at age 23. So they know basically that this person was younger than age 23, but there's no real evidence to point to why they said specifically 16 or 17. Right. um, Because that doesn't make sense because the oldest missing child was 14 at the time. So if they were bones from somebody who was 16 or 17, 
they were not bones from any of the children that were missing. So that there's died another the mystery on their hands. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Somebody spies mm-hmm. out there in the woods. Super. And apparently the vertebrae fragments also showed no signs of exposure to flames. So it was probably, it was very unlikely that the bones were actually like from the fire. And it was very strange to them that those were the only bones found that were just vertebrae fragments from one person. Um, because if they found any bones from the fire, they should have found bones belonging to all of the different kids. Right. So, I mean, obviously, aside from like, I mean, charring, I guess, how can they tell that it's been exposed? Like, is there going to be like any sort of like other than like smoke damage to it? Like, is it is that it? I don't know. I didn't um, look that far into it, but I would, I would assume that the composition of something gets kind of altered by burning. Right. Right. Um, You know, pretty much everything gets slightly altered by being exposed to fire. So Mm -hmm. I'm sure there's a way to tell um, if they made a point to, um, to say that it showed, it didn't say if they made a point (laughs) to say that the bones didn't show any signs of being exposed to flames now i kind of want to test it (laughs) don't burn any bones what you mean i mean like a like a dog not a like a bone like a toy whatever shut up (laughs) i want to test it (laughs) um so like i said there's a, a lot of just weirdness going on around the case and the investigation and what happened um but the family refused to give up and they were convinced that their kids were alive they did not think that the kids died in the fire so the family is treating this as all five of their kids are missing and they put up a really famous billboard on us route 60 um that had information about the kids Um, And it kind of became a landmark for traffic going through the area because that billboard stayed up for like decades. Good for them. So there were a lot of possible sightings or reported sightings of some of the children or all of the children after the fire. So one of them was a woman who ran a hotel in Charleston, West Virginia, and she claimed to have seen the children approximately a week after the fire. And apparently they were with two men and two women um, who all looked to be Italian. Um, But apparently this woman had like seen photos of the children about two years after the fire, but only made this claim five years later. So they don't really consider her story to be credible um, because they were like, if this was true, you probably should have said something the first time you saw pictures of the children. Mm-hmm. Um, there was also a woman from St. Louis who claimed that Martha was in a convent there. Huh. And there was also a bar patron in Texas who claimed to have overheard two people talking about a Christmas Eve fire in West Virginia in an incriminating fashion. Hmm. But nobody was ever able to locate these people. Right. George even heard there were relatives of Jenny's that lived in Florida that had children that looked similar to his. 
And he literally made Jenny's relatives prove that they were the relatives kids. Hmm. He was like, I need you to prove to me that these are not my missing children. There was also a woman in Houston who wrote to the family saying that Lewis had revealed to her his true identity. Hmm. And she believed that Lewis and Maurice were both in Texas somewhere. And George actually went to Texas um, and was unable to speak with the woman who wrote the letter. Um, But they eventually were Hmm. able to find the two men that she was talking about. But the men denied that they were the missing kids. Although the family questions that denial. Right. Um, And George actually followed up on a lot of these leads. Like he actually went himself to like Hmm. the places that people said they saw the kids. Oh, poor guy. There was also... One day, Jenny found a letter addressed to her in the mailbox that was postmarked in Central City, Kentucky, and it had no return address. Inside of the letter was the picture of a man that looked around 30 who looked a lot like Lewis. He had very similar features to Lewis. And on the back was written, Lewis Sauter, I love brother Frankie, something that i couldn't really i couldn't tell if it was l l i l or i l i l hmm boys and then a9012 a90132 or a90135 they couldn't tell whether it was a 2 or a 5 gotcha um so basically they're saying oh my god this picture is of lewis right and lewis would have been around 30 at the time right and so the family hired another private investigator to look into it but they were unable to locate the man in the photo hmm so that's weird that's kind of all of the weird you know possible sightings of the missing children right and you know the sad thing is is they just never got answers yeah. Um, and George ended up dying in 1969 uh, with Aww. no closure Aww. to the case. That makes and, me sad. You know, it even sucks. after he died, the whole family kept trying to find find answers. They literally did not stop searching. And Jenny stayed in the family home and even you know put fences up around it and added additional rooms. And she never left their family home. She always wore black in mourning, and she consistently tended the garden that was at the site that they Aww. made at the, at the former house. That makes me really um, sad. Mm-hmm. Poor her. So, and then she died in 1989, so 20 years after George did. And after her death, the family finally took down the billboard. So that billboard stayed up for like probably 40 years wow um before the family took it down right but all of the surviving kids continued to publicize the case and keep searching and looking for answers and um the the surviving children theorized that it's possible that the sicilian mafia was trying to extort money from george Hmm. 
there are a lot of theories that the children may have been like kidnapped by the Sicilian mafia and taken back to Italy. So, or, you know, something having to do with that. There's a lot of people that theorize that the children are somewhere in Italy that they were taken there. Don't like that. Um, But that's basically everything. So how many of the kids are still alive today? I'm pretty sure they're all dead now. Aw. I think that, or Sylvia actually might be alive. Hold on. Let me look really quick. Is Sylvia Sauter still alive? She is still alive. How old is she now? 77. Ah. Wow. She's younger than my grandfather's. Or she was 77 in 2020. So she's either 77 or 78. Um, So she is the only surviving Surviving child. Yes. Any of them, honestly. (laughs) Yeah. She's the the last surviving Sauter. Did she at least have a good life? Um, I mean, I, she and her whole family, like, they spent their whole lives just looking for answers. Mm-hmm. Um, but she did end up getting married, I'm pretty sure. Um, oh, that's good. So I guess that Sil- Sylvia Sauter is the, she was the youngest of the 10 kids. So she was the, the two-year-old at the time of the fire. Mm-hmm. And she is in her 70s now. Um, and I guess that there's a grandchildren um of the surviving children um and so because this article says that she together with these solder grandchildren continue to look for their missing siblings and the solders remain convinced that the five missing children who were maurice martha lewis jenny and betty Mm -hmm. were kidnapped that day yeah i mean they look through websites with information about missing people and communicate with detectives and um right you know they like they literally that whole family spent their entire lives just looking for answers which mm. is so sad yeah wow wow so lot. what do you guys think i think, do you they think were the kidnapped. kids died do you and think, I think they were kidnapped I think they were kidnapped, and I think the noises and the phone call and all of that stuff was, were distractions to make sure that they could get to the kids and then uh, distract the parents or whatever. So they were apparently able to locate the woman who made the wrong number phone call, okay. um, and she said that it really was just a wrong number. Oh. But, you know, like, okay. who, all right. like, if she had mm-hmm. something to do with it. I feel like it was it's probably easier that? to right. I feel like it would just be easier to make a wrong number call back then anyway. So Right. Imagine but I mean, how she, she could feels. have done it on purpose and just been like, oh no, that was really just a wrong number. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like a lot of times criminals are not very keen to admit to being involved in things. What? No way. Ooh, That's really? criminals don't like telling the truth. <laughs> but um <sighs> I think they were definitely kidnapped. Oh, um, for sure. I think it was way too planned out with like the ladder and the vehicles and everything. They thought of everything, and I feel like that's that's really what like too much. Ma- like that's what the yeah. mafia really does. Like they they they're good at their crime. Mm-hmm. Plus the weird insurance salesman that said yeah. that the kids were gonna die in a fire. Like this was that was like 
that was October 1945. So that was two months, two to three months before the fire that Mm -hmm. he said that to George. So, like, that's suspicious. Very weird. That's weird. There's another, um, like, conflicting account because John, one of the sons that survived, Mm-hmm. originally said that he called up to the kids but he could see them yeah in bed when he was like calling up to them to huh. get out of the house because of the fire mm-hmm. um but then he like retracted that and said he doesn't actually remember if he saw them in huh. the beds or not so there's a lot of people that think that maybe the kids never even like made it up to bed that night because remember how jenny found the lights on in the living room and the curtains open so a lot of people are like was there something like did marion fall asleep on the couch and then the younger kids see something outside they went mm-hmm. outside and they looked and they ended up getting kidnapped mm. and you know all this stuff or did something happen to them that way weird i don't know holy shit that's oh, all no, i can dude. say yeah honestly. i know <laughs> Literally. it's it's so confusing just because the official account right is that the kids died in the fire but, but there's the no proof of that. That's what doesn't really out. point to that. Like what what right. gets me is the whole thing about how these fire professionals were so ready yes. to believe that the bones just got completely burned when scientifically it it would have been impossible for the bones to burn to ash in that amount of time. Right. So, it's very weird. That's suspicious. But Mm-hmm. that was good that stressed me out but that was good oh. <laughs> I know it's so it's such a crazy case which is why I wanted to cover it because I feel like we haven't done anything yet that's like we haven't done unsolved. any unsolved quote unquote missing people yet because we did a right. lamb which is unsolved but you have so a body technically solved point. yeah Carly should end this on a mac and cheese joke and then we'll say bye are you googling mac and cheese jokes I usually do, and I don't know why my tab disappeared. Because I'm a buffoon. You've played yourself. Buffoon! This is buffoon behavior. <laughs> buffoonery. What? Summer, buf- summer buffoonery. I need to stop eating so many carbs so I can get Same. ready for summer. <laughs> I need to stop eating so much salt. Yeah. I eat too. so much salt. It's so bad, right? I also don't remember the last time I ate a vegetable. Last time I ate a vegetable. I know. I don't, yeah, I'm like, I'm like you, like, I'll just eat like whatever. And then I'll just get a random aggressive craving for like green beans. And so I'll eat like a whole ass bowl of just green beans for no reason. (laughs) You know, what's actually really good. You guys might think I'm really weird for this. But you know what's a fun thing to snack on? What? Frozen peas. I don't oh, like peas. Yes. I'm yes. not a pea person. But They're I just I like, like that. crunchy. 
like you don't feel like you're eating peas because it, it's almost like kind of the same vibe as like just chewing on ice hmm. which is for me i love chewing on ice me too it's but... horrendous for your teeth but do we care no no <laughs> but frozen peas are so good to snack on because they don't really taste like peas and you just feel like you're eating ice but you're eating peas yeah i don't like peas i got that from my dad if you put a bowl of steaming peas in front of him, he will pick it up and move it and then push it away from himself. My sister used to refuse to eat peas when she was younger. And we were a big uh, chocolate milk family. Mm-hmm. Like we had chocolate milk like with dinner every night. Mm-hmm. And so my sister would eat peas like they were pills. And she would just like put a handful in her mouth and like chug them with chocolate milk. Because she didn't want to chew oh them my because God. chewing them so like awakened the taste. So she used to literally just like shove a handful in her mouth and like chase it with chocolate milk. That's fucking <laughs> Follow them whole. Hey. <laughs> just start you off with a fact here. Ooh. Right. Mac and cheese sales reached over $1 billion in the U.S. in 2012. With Kraft selling over 1 million boxes of mac and cheese per day. Ooh. That is uh, a over... lot of mac and cheese. Right? That's a lot. Yeah. Holy macaroni. Um, <laughs> <laughs> every three months. Did. Right? You like that? Yeah. Every How did three you months... say that sexy? Yeah, you like that? You Why'd like you that? say it like that? Stop, yeah. I'm uncomfortable. I'm uncomfortable. <laughs> 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 exactly. The record the world record for the largest pot of mac and cheese weighed two thousand four hundred and sixty-nine pounds. I hmm? ended in sixty-nine. That yes, it did. <laughs> Perfect. Okay, and I would like to bathe in that cauldron of mac and cheese. Thank you so much. A joke. Yes. Saline doesn't like my other jokes. I have to use a different website. <laughs> Did you hear about the guy who forgot to use the colander when making mac and cheese? Oh no, that doesn't oh, sound good. His Uh-oh. wife gave him gave him a restraining order. <laughs> that was terrible i love it so much oh god oh god yeah that was a good one i like that, that was one a good a one yeah i like that one love me a good terrible pun. joke yeah yeah oh well the terrible ones are the best absolutely gotta love those um okay well that's it for this episode uh, we'll see you guys uh, next week, and uh, it's kind I'll of. I'll be in my new uh, location. Apartment, yay! Correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We'll uh, be vibing. Sure will. I'll have my new podcast microphone. Ooh, maybe I should get one too. I should. Mine's coming on Thursday, so. Uh, yeah. So uh, next follow week us on Instagram. Yeah. Alien at, handle at, at murder mystery mac and cheese. Yeah, that's it. That's the one. Kind of want to change it because that's kind of a mouthful. But we yeah. already said it so many times. It's a mouthful of mac and well, cheese. We can, like unless I did like 
MMMNC podcast. You could do mac and cheese pod. Yeah. But anyway. I also don't want people just to think that it's just about mac and cheese. True. Because the murder and the mystery are such a big part of it, too. Sure is. Like, there was no murder in this What episode. about murder and mac? But where's the mystery? Oh, fuck. What? <laughs> <laughs> I'm in danger. I'm in danger! <laughs> That's staying. I'm not editing that out. That's not. Lana! <laughs> All right. Well, let, let us know your thoughts as always on the Sauter children. Do you think uh, they're alive? Do you think they're a, dead? That's a doozy. Well, they're probably all dead now, but. Well. Positive yeah. thoughts, eh, uh, cat. They're immortal right. now. All sorry. Right, as always. I would love, I think talking to Sylvia Sauter would be so cool. Right? Just like I agree. listening to like what she has to say about everything. I know. But I know. Well, anyway, stay cheesy. Catch y'all next week. Bye, bitches. Mm -hmm. Bye. Bye.